Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Market View. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and it's Market Wrap of the Week. So let's take a quick look at how markets are faring this afternoon. It's currently around 1.10 p.m. here in Singapore, and it looks like the Straits Times Index is down in the red, down 0.2% at 3,065 points. We have advancers are leading the pack at the moment, 294 to decliners at 208. And taking a look at today's volume, we have 600. 60 million securities worth 408 million Singapore dollars changed hands so far. Now, without further ado, to check in on how markets did fare this past week and taking a look at some of the biggest movers, we have Jeff Howie, who's a market strategist at the SGX. Jeff, welcome back. Hi, thanks very much, Hongbin. Great to be here. Great to have you on again. Jeff, yeah. you know, the STI did open in the green, but it looks like mm. it wasn't able to maintain that optimism and it's down in the red at the moment. How did the STI perform this week? Yeah, so we're at 33065 at the moment, mm-hmm. which means we're down around four tenths of a percent. Uh, and it also means that we've actually, even though we have been spending time at these new 2023 lows for mm-hmm. the year, it hasn't really been moving too much. The SDI has been pretty much consolidating in a, I would say, a relatively narrow range between mm-hmm. 3,100 to 3,050. Mm. Okay, okay. Then who were the biggest movers on the STI this week? It's really, in terms of those with, that have been relatively defensive and mm-hmm. seen more upside, it's pretty much in line with what we're seeing across Asia Pacific mm-hmm. in that travel stocks, consumption stocks, uh, airlines, beverages, and food, uh, those sectors have been among Asia Pacific's strongest stocks this week. Okay. And even if you look at the actual REIT market too, it's Capital and Ascot REIT, which has led the REIT sector so far this week. But in the stocks, as I said, relevant to those sectors, Gunting Singapore is up 6% in the week today. Wilmar's up 3%. Singapore Airlines is up 3%. You've also got Yangtze Jung up 3%. And then uh, those two REITs um, are also up between 1% and 2%. That's Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust and Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust. But on the other side of the coin, it's mm-hmm. Hong Kong Land, DFI Retail Group, Citrium, Capland Investment and UO Well Group, which have led the decliners within the SDI for the week. I see, I see. And I also want to take a look at some of the earnings that was released this week. UOB is the first of the local banks that has kicked off earnings results for the banks. And it reported net profit of 1.38 billion Singapore dollars for the third quarter that ended in September. That's down 1% from the 1.4 billion dollars that we saw in Q3 of last Last year, how have mm. shares of UOB responded to this? They're off a little. So UOB was the most traded stock yesterday. and mm-hmm. uh, That was almost double the amount of shares trading hands uh, yesterday than it usually has. Okay. And it is so far our most traded stock again today. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to their business update, the stock was trading at $20.72. Mm-hmm. And now it's right on uh, $27. So my... 51-year-old brain's not so good, mm. so I just use my calculator, so it's down 2.6%. Mm. Now, the Refinitiv Consensus Estimate Target Price, it has not seen any real significant change. I think that pretty much remains at 
$32.12. I'll just check the SGX stock screener and it yeah it says $32.12 mm-hmm. and that's pretty much where it was on Monday at $32.13. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, as you said, profit down a little bit, share price down a little bit as well. Well, you know, despite the fall in Q3 net profit, UOB is guiding a double-digit fee growth for 2024 mm. compared to the high single-digit growth guidance for 2023. So does that mean we can see a potential upside for UOB going forward? Yeah. So in that business update... Yeah. The net interest income was up 9% year on year. So that's what, $2.4 billion. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of their book is non-interest income. That was also up 8% year on year to $1 billion. So overall, because net interest income is the larger part, two-thirds mm-hmm. of it, total income itself is up 9% year on year to around $3.5 billion. Now that net interest income increase was predominantly due to the 14 basis point increase in net interest margins. Mm-hmm. Gross customer loans were at $318 billion, uh, as of the end of September. Now, that's down 2% year-on-year, and it's on par with the second quarter. The UOB do maintain an outlook of mid-single-digit loan growth in 2024, mm-hmm. while for the first nine months of this year, cu- gross customer loans are down 2%. So... In terms of that's that's that loan growth has is obviously impacting the net interest income. If you look at UOB's third quarter total expenses, they're up four percent year on year. Mm-hmm. So if the total expenses are up four percent year on year, and your total income is up nine percent year on year, intuitively your total income up nine percent, total expenses up four percent, net profit should be up 5% year on year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was when you exclude the third quarter city integration costs. Well, you know, how then does UOB's results set the tone for the rest of the banks, DBS and OCBC? Mm. Can we expect the same from them? Yeah, see, see, we don't look at the integration costs, I guess, so much, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, when we're looking at DBS and OCBC, but DBS did have the, did acquire the Thailand assets for Citibank some time ago, but UOB has seen its retail business augmented by those city acquisitions for Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia and Indonesia. So it actually attributed its 64% year-on-year growth in its credit card fees, which I think was a new high of just below $260 million mm-hmm. dollars for the quarter. They attributed that to its enlarged and regional franchise, which has come with these city acquisitions. So overall, at the, as we were talking about that, that net fee income, it was, it, was, it was strong for the third quarter. It was up 14% year on year, and it was up 13% quarter on quarter, mm-hmm. and overall made up around 17% of total income. But can we expect the same? I'm uh, not so sure, mm-hmm. because obviously um, this was on the back of those city acquisitions. Yeah. Uh, but, for, but, but for the more overarching themes... The takeaways, I guess, for the banking sector are that UOB's third quarter asset quality did remain stable. The capital funding and liquidity is at healthy levels still, and it's also maintaining cost discipline. Um, But on the demand side, it has, of course, been a tougher environment for loan growth, and that is already pretty much a familiar sub-theme in this sector. Uh, So you've got cautious investor sentiments, which does can sometimes soften loan related uh, business as well as wealth fees and it was it was uh, when was it it's now october it was 6 weeks ago the asia development bank forewarned that 
loan growth in Singapore's financial services may feel the pinch from the ongoing tighter financial conditions in the US. And when you look at the MAS monthly statistical bulletin, it has showed that in the first half of that third quarter, total Singapore commercial bank consumer loans for that first half of the third quarter were pretty much on par with the second quarter, Mm -hmm. but they were down 2% uh, uh, for the uh, commercial bank business loans. I see, I see. I guess we'll just have to keep a lookout for DBS and OCBC's business update. But other than UOB, Jeff, were there any other earnings results that caught your eye this week? Yeah, I mean, when we look at the stocks that see increased trading activity after they do result, um, that's obviously catching the investors' eyes. Um, IFAST reported uh, as well. Its uh, assets under administration grew 2% quarter on quarter, Mm -hmm. but 13% year on year. And I think that was an end of quarter record high of 19 Singapore billion dollars as of 30th September. Its its net profit increased by a little over 300% year on year to 8.5 million Sing dollars in the third quarter. And I think that's um, for the nine months, it means that I think the uh, net profits at around 15 million sing, which is a rise of around 190% year on year for the Mm -hmm. full nine months. Now, that stock was trading at $5.52 prior to its its earnings, but it's now at $6.30. And and this this week it's it's been trading at its highest level since the third first quarter first quarter of 2022. Now the representative consensus estimate target price it hasn't really changed. It's still at uh, what is it four dollars seventy seven thereabouts. Mm-hmm. The price to book ratio of seven point six times. It does compare to a five year average price book ratio of eight point two times. But I think the the key highlight, as I said, was while the share price was up eleven percent yesterday, the trading turnover for the stock was actually 11 times its normal trading turnover for the year. Mm. Well, Jeff, I also want to talk about some news on the economic front. Uh, We saw inflation numbers out of Singapore kickstart this week, and it looks like core inflation, that dropped for a third straight month to 3.8%. Is more easing expected? What do you make of these numbers? Yeah, inflation is expected to continue easing, Mm -hmm. albeit it is it is pretty staunch. So the core inflation, which uh, what is it excluded again? Private transportation and accommodation, it eased quite significantly. So it was at three point four percent year on year in August, and mm-hmm. then it came down to three point three point zero percent year on year mm-hmm. for the for the month of of September. So that year on year. Uh, reading was also slightly lower than uh, consensus estimates, which were expecting a 3.1% year-on-year core CPI. That doesn't really change the market's view uh, mm-hmm. for the next MAS policy, which which uh, won't be in April. It'll actually be in January uh, because the MAS is moving to that uh, quarterly uh, schedule for monetary policy rather than having the, the semi-annuals. You know, there's not real much expectations at the moment for any change in 2024. Um, whether they reduce the slope of the of the Singapore nominal effective exchange rate policy band slightly, you know, expectations really. And when you see when you see what UOB is saying, for instance, uh, that that might only happen in the in the April 
Mm. meeting if it happens more so than in January. I see. Well, also this week, Singapore's factory output data was released, and that yesterday actually was released with output sliding 2.1% on year in September. This is another consecutive month of uh, drop. What does this tell us about Singapore's economy? Yeah, uh, but the good news is it's actually... (laughs) Okay, the the bad news is, as you say, it's it's 12 months of consecutive year-on-year drop. But it's the second narrowest contraction with okay. industrial production. So some silver lining there mm-hmm. that that was a significantly narrower contraction of 2.1% year on year because when you look at August, it was 12% uh, revised, I think, to 11.6% year on year contraction. So that improvement was really driven by an upturn in electronics. So electronics mm-hmm. make up 45% of industrial production in Singapore. Electronics rose 10% year on year September, and that reversed a pretty sharp contraction of close to 19% in August. Mm-hmm. And that strong reading in electronics production was driven by semiconductors, mm-hmm. uh, which expanded 13.5% year on year in September. And Infocom and consumer electronics also accelerated something like 20% year on year in September. So this was really interesting because in the beginning of the month, we had two gauges on Singapore's PMI and the official SIPMM saw that we were just a little bit more uh, confident, a little bit more optimistic uh, mm-hmm. and, and nudging into that um, further into that expansion range. But the region, one of the regional reports for PMIs actually said, no, actually, we were more in contraction and not so a good month. But as we can see in these industrial production numbers, when it comes from that electronics point of view, which much of it hinges on, it was actually a pretty strong month. And of course, the markets are looking for better signs in electronics and semiconductors. The softening chip demand, elevated inventory of uh, the electronics that are used for consumer and mobile devices, it has been a big factor in this decline we've seen in in fabrication spend and semiconductor billings this year. But we are always, and for some time now, have been expected to rebound in 2024. So um, it's interesting when you you peel back and look at this, uh, what's happening in the tech sector. UMS, for instance, is a stock that's uh, involved in the semiconductor services. Uh, it's, it's trading at around $1.27 now, and that's up from $1.03 prior to its earnings report back for the second quarter. And it was in that earnings report that it highlighted it had renewed its integrated system contract with its key customer right till the end of 2025. So for investors wanting to look um, and delve deeper and do some homework mm-hmm. into the tech cycle and the downturn we've been having and what expectations are for next year and so forth, um, there's the, the, that you can see some of that uh, in the some, some of that granularity in these industrial production ports as well as um, in the in the earnings season as well, which is which is coming up I for see. tech. I see. We'll have to take a closer look at the tech earnings as well. But, Jeff, I also want to take this on a global stand here. You know, next week, we're expecting the U.S. Fed's interest rate decision once again. Time does fly by. I feel like we just had our interest rate decision. Now we're back again. And it's widely expected that policymakers will stand pat again this meeting. But given yesterday's U.S. GDP numbers, what might they signal in terms of the future path of interest rate hikes going into 2024? Yeah, so two meetings going into 2024. The first is next week. Markets mm-hmm. are very certain. I think there's 100% expectations there'll be no change on yeah. the 1st of November. But there are still um, 
chances for a 25 basis point hike in six weeks after that at, mm-hmm. on the 13th of December. So there's around 20% expectations for a 25 BIPs hike then, which would take the FOMC uh, F Fed funds rate to 55 to 5 and 3 quarter percent. There hasn't really been any dramatic changes to expectations for where rates will end next year. I think this for the end of 2024, we're still looking at a consensus rate of around four and a half percent to four and three quarters, or mm-hmm. at least somewhere between four and a quarter to four and three quarter percent. Uh, we always knew the US GDP would be above expectations. Pretty much since the second quarter, earnings season saw that two stocks beat every one stock that missed. You have two stocks beat for every one stock that missed. So that that was uh, always a little bit of a good bellwether that the third quarter would continue okay for the US. Very early in the third quarter season for earnings in the US, I think we're about a quarter of the way through, just under a quarter of the way through. But so far, again, we're seeing the same story. For every one stock that's missed, Mm-hmm. You've had two stocks beat uh, their forecasts. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's, what's that signaling, Hongbin, is that the U.S. economy does remain strong, mm-hmm. but it is expected to contract next year uh, to, to around 1.5% thereabouts in terms of growth. So any upside risk to that GDP growth would obviously be, I guess, well-received by investors, but it's, it's whether or not investors can... Uh, offset some of the geopolitical concerns and uh, ongoing inflation concerns to, you know, basically have a brighter outlook. Yeah, I guess we're set for another volatile week. But other than that, Mm. is there anything else investors should be looking out for next week? Yeah, I'll I'll try and be quick. Um, You've got you've got 12 companies at least or 12 stocks, I should say, at least reporting next week. Mm. Uh, Capital Land, Ascot Trust, Second Chance Properties, Micro Mechanics are on Monday. On Tuesday, it's Paragon Rate. On Wednesday, Great Eastern Holdings and Parkway Life Rate. Thursday, sees Keppel Infrastructure Fund. Uh, I should say Capital Infrastructure Trust, um, Singapore Post and Fraser Logistics and Commercial Trust as well. That latter, Fraser and Logistics Commercial Trust being an SDI stock. Mm-hmm. And to the end of the week, um, I think we probably uh, get business updates as well for Manulife, US REIT, Ames APAC and Netlink NBN Trust. We also have in Singapore retail sales due this time and next week, mm-hmm. uh, as well as those local and regional PMI gauges due early in the week. Three big things for the US. PCE core deflator for September. It's a big one. It's out tonight. It's expected to be down to 3.7% from 3.9% in August. If it is at 3.7%, this mm-hmm. will be its lowest level since May of 2021. And it also will mean that the PCE core deflator is now, it w- would be closer to the 2% target mm-hmm. than the 5, 5.5% high in September 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have, of course, next week, FOMC, 2 a.m. Singapore time, Thursday morning, and then U.S. unemployment rate uh, Friday night, next week at 8.30 p.m. It looks like another heavy week there, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, I hope, I hope, I hope it made some sense there. <laughs> you did, as always. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time and your insights today. Thanks so much, Hongbin. Take care. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend to you as well. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. I'm Hongbin Jung, and this has been Market Wrap of the Week on Market View. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. 
That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Audio at the App Store and Google Play.